Well, good morning again, everybody. Um, we are at Redeeming Love Church. My name is Stephanie Pack, and I'm here uh, uh, for Brother John today. And so we're going to talk about the subject of grace today. And just like I've been doing, I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures. Some I'll look up, some I'm just going to give to you so that you can actually go and look them up later to chew on them, meditate, and study them throughout your week. But I want you to know that grace is a hallmark character trait of our God, of our Father. And so we need to know Him, know who He is, how He operates. And so I want you to know that He is a God of grace. He's gracious to us. But we also, because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, He has not only been gracious to us to offer us salvation, so we receive salvation through grace, right? But we also are given grace to equip us to do the things in life that we're meant to do and called to do. We're given grace to live godly lives. And on top of all of that, God continues to put his grace upon us. And when I say that, I mean he blesses us each and every step of our lives. And so I want us to have a, a I guess, a more full, a fuller uh, perspective of grace today. And so that we can not only know him better, but that we can operate in the grace he gives to us in a more effective way and then recognize how important grace is to us for us to walk out these lives as believers. So I'm going to right up front say grace is not given so that we can just do whatever in life and that God covers it. Grace is how we receive him, right? It's because he's gracious that he called us into his family. But it's because of grace that we can do what God requires of us, asks of us in his word. We can live godly lives. And we can do anything he asks of us because he equips us. He gives us everything we need to be effective, and so he will grace us, he will gift us, he gives us talents to enable us to do all that he asks of us because our God is a fair and just God. It would not be fair of him to require something of us that he doesn't give us the ability to accomplish it. And then above all else, no matter what we go through from day to day, know that God is gracious to us and he pours his grace and his blessing out upon us. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to open up in prayer and y'all get ready. All right. Father God, we just thank you in the mighty name of Jesus that by your Holy Spirit, you open up your word to us. We see things perhaps we haven't seen or perhaps that we've allowed to grow dormant in our lives. Lord, I thank you that you not only speak to our hearts, but that you continue to equip us so that we might minister your life, your gospel, your good news to all we meet. Father, we thank you that as we open your word, that you will give us insight as to this character trait of yours, and that being grace and your being gracious. So, Father, we thank you. I thank you, Lord, that no one in this church lacks for any good thing. We have everything we need to accomplish all that you've called us to do. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen. amen. All right. So this, as I said, is the very character of God. Our God is gracious. He gives grace. He operates in grace. So it's so important for us to understand that just to know who he is as we go through life. So the very first scripture I would have you look up is in Psalm 103. And I'm actually going to read it to you today out of the Amplified Version. And it's Psalm 103, 8. Psalm 103, verse 8. It says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy and loving kindness. Both of those are true. And so again, the Lord is merciful and gracious. Now, let's talk about what grace is, 
why it's important. And so you need to know that grace basically is favor. It is the unmerited favor of God. It has nothing to do with us, with ourselves, with our own abilities, with our station in life, with our education, what we bring to the table, so to speak. It has everything to do with God himself. It's his goodwill. It's also translated as kindness. It means that he's obliging. Um, it's so important that we understand this because the enemy would like us to believe lies about the Father, that he's difficult, that he's hard, that he's always just waiting for us to mess up. But that is the exact opposite. Because remember, if it's coming from Satan, he is the father of lies, and there is no truth in him. So if he tells you that, the exact opposite is true. Our God is gracious. Grace also has the meaning of favorable influence with God. So because he's graced us, because he gives us grace, we can then have a reciprocal relationship, a back-and-forth relationship with him, and that he hears us, he listens to us. And we've been talking about that this summer, that he not only hears us, but he answers us when we pray, when we have a conversation with him. This is so important that we understand this grace also um, stands for the very basis of our reconciliation with God, our relationship with him because of the work of Christ. There's so many different uh, definitions. I would encourage you, if you want to look into that a little bit more and do a word study, look up the 1828 Webster's Dictionary. You can actually find it online, and it's free. And it's so interesting because Webster actually put Scripture with his definitions, and so it comes from a Christian perspective. So I would encourage you to do that. I think that it will enlighten you when the topic of grace comes up, and you won't be quick to only think of grace in regard to salvation, but it's so much more than that. All right, let's take a look at 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, and I'm going to use the New Living Translation this morning for the most part, but we may look at a few others as well. So 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to take a look at verse 10. This again goes to my point that God himself, his very character is one of grace and being gracious toward his children. In verse 10 it says, In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So you need to know that in the kindness, that translation, this New Living Translation, is really in the grace of God or by the grace of God. So that by the very grace of God we are called we're called to share in his glory. What kind of glory? Eternal glory that never, ever changes, never goes away, never stops. How? By means of Christ Jesus. So in his kindness, in his graciousness, he has enabled us to take part in his glory because of the work of Christ Jesus. So you need to know that about God. Uh, turn back to the Old Testament. We're going to look in Isaiah. This is both an Old and a New Testament truth about God. We're going to look at chapter 30. Chapter 30. And I'm going back and forth so that you see God's graciousness doesn't isn't just found in one testament or the other. That this is a character of, of himself and it doesn't change. It does not change. He's not gracious one moment and not gracious the next. So Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 18 says, So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. Again, in that other translations talk about his being gracious toward us. He is going to wait for us to come to him because he is gracious. He's willing to wait for us. 
He's willing to wait for us to make a decision about him. That is his grace in operation. You need to know that. Not only for yourself, but that when you, especially when you're out ministering life to someone, just along the way, grocery store, the bank, the workplace, your neighbors, and you hear someone say, oh, well, you know, God gave up on me a long time ago. Oh, no. Because he's so gracious, he is willing to wait for you because he desires to have a relationship with you. And you can say that with such power and authority because you've come to understand and know it for yourself. So that's why I want you to don't just major on the Old Testament or major on the New Testament. Remember, the Old Testament was given to us for an example or as an example. Jesus himself said that our covenant, this covenant, right, is better. Our new covenant is better. You see that all the way through the New Testament, that we have a better covenant built on better principles. We have the very promise that now we're not waiting to be made right once a year, that our sin is covered once a year, but we know now because of Jesus that we can come boldly into God's throne room. We have been made righteous. We are now in right standing with God because of what Jesus has done. Now, the last one that I would draw your attention to is in Nehemiah chapter 9, and it's in verse 31, and it talks about this. And Nehemiah is saying, For you, our Lord, our God, you are gracious and merciful. You can find this all the way through the Old Testament where the people of Israel, individually or corporately, called upon the grace of God, the mercy of God. Now, mercy has been described as the favor we don't deserve. So we've gotten ourselves in a fix. We've created our own issues, our own problems, and in his mercy, the Lord protects us, keeps us. So all the way through scripture, you're going to see people referencing God's grace and God's mercy. This isn't kind of a once-off thing. You need to know that if you begin to study grace, you're going to see it echoed over and over and over again. And it's not just about salvation. All right? You need to know that. Why? Again, because you need to know it for yourself, but you also need to know it for the others that the Lord will bring across your path. If you don't know it and you're not settled on it, how can you then share it with someone else? Share what? Share the truth of the gospel with the knowledge that God is gracious. He desires to be favorable, to be kind toward his creation. Who's his creation? We are all of mankind. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. We are made in the likeness and image of God. Why? He desired a relationship. He desired a relationship. So, first off, let's look at grace for salvation. This is probably how you've heard grace described or maybe studied or heard messages over and over and over again. And we do. We need God's grace for salvation. It has nothing to do of ourselves. It has everything to do about him. Think John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Right? Before we ever knew anything, he had already made a decision that he was going to send his son, Jesus Christ. Why? So that we could enjoy eternal life. And so let's take a look at Romans chapter 3. Now, Romans is a great book. I would encourage you, if you look, if you even look up Romans Road, that is a, a phenomenal place for you to start out to really begin thinking about how can I share the gospel with someone, kind of in short. If I have five minutes or ten minutes, what would I use? What scriptures would I use? And so if you want to look into that a little bit more, ask me questions, or just 
take a look at your phone or your iPad or your computer and just put in Romans Road and you're going to get several scriptures that you will, if you memorize those or know where they are, then you're going to be able to lead someone to salvation. So let's take a look at Romans chapter 3 and we're going to first look in verses 23 and 24. 23 and 24. Well, let's start in verse 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, you could say, but God, with undeserved kindness... Remember, kindness and grace can be interchanged many places throughout the New Testament. With undeserved grace, it declares that we are righteous. He did this from Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Now, I'm going to look that up in the Amplified Version, and I think that will help you with your understanding. I know that most of us have probably heard that scripture before, but I think that it is important for us. Verse 23 says, Since all have sinned and are falling short of the honor and glory which God bestows and receives. Verse 24, All are justified and made right and in right standing with God, freely and gratuitously, That means over and above what we could even begin to think. Freely and gratuitously by his grace. That character of God called grace. That desire of his to give unmerited favor. To be kind to his creation. All are justified and made upright and in right standing with God freely and gratuitously by His grace, His unmerited favor and mercy through the redemption which is provided in Christ Jesus. That's one to take to the bank. All right? Let's turn over to chapter 5, verses. We're going to use 15 and we're going to use verse 21. 15 and verse 21. And I'm going to, again, go back to the Amplified Version. It says, But God's free gift is not at all to be compared to the trespass, to the sin, to the break in our relationship. It says, His grace is out of all proportion to the fall of man. So no matter how far someone says to you, Well, you just don't know how far I've fallen. You don't know where I'm at. You can honestly and effectively and and with a strength and an authority say to them, God's grace far outweighs, far comes over top of anything that's where you find yourself. Anything you've done, anything you've said, His grace far outweighs that. It covers that. And you need to know that. His grace is out of all proportion to the fall of man. It says, For if many died through one man's falling away, Adam, his lapse, his offense, much more profusely did God's grace and the free gift that comes through the undeserved favor of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound and overflow and for the benefit of many. So when you think of trying to contain grace, you really can't. So if I had a big, you know, say a gallon-sized jug or jar, and I was looking to see what God's grace looked like, I wouldn't fill it up a quarter of the way or half of the way or three quarters or even to the top. I would just keep pouring until you saw if we used water, that water overflowing and overflowing, and it would be a continuous flow. In fact, the flow of that water would never cease. It would be like taking a garden hose and filling up a gallon jug and then just letting it overflow. That's the kind of grace that our Lord has for us, to us, and to anyone who calls upon his name. Everyone, every person, Man, woman, child who calls upon his name 
will be saved. There's no one left out. There's no one too far gone, too messed up to fall outside of his grace. All right, so keep that in mind as we go along. Now, in verse 21, I'm going to use the Amplified again. So that just as sin has reigned in death, so grace, his unearned and undeserved favor. Again, this has nothing to do with us. You don't have to wait. No one you speak to has to wait to clean themselves up before they come to God. They come to the Lord and he takes care of that part. Right? So there's no one too far gone. His unearned and undeserved favor might reign also through righteousness, through the right standing with God, which issues, which comes from eternal life through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, our Lord. That's a take it on home, right? So no one should walk out of here today or maybe stop watching or listening to me today and go, well, you know, it's just, yeah, I know God's gracious or I know he has grace, but there is no but with God. Absolutely no but with God. You need to know that. You need to be able to express that to someone, all right? Now, I'm going to give you several more scriptures, but we're going to only look at one more. So if, if you're looking, if you're writing down, you can write down Acts chapter 5, verse 11. You can write down 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. You can write down Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. And Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. But we're going to, for right now, for the sake of time, only look at one, and that is Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. So if you'll turn there. Remember, this is really, even the ones that I listed out for you that we're not going to read today, that's just the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. There is so much more. Ephesians chapter 2, we're first going to look in verses 4 and 5, and then we're also going to take a look at verses 8 and 9. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Let's repeat. It is only. It is only. Okay. What does that mean? That is the only way. There is no other way. All right? So let's finish that. It is only by God's grace. Say that with me. It is only by God's grace. And let's turn it around and make it personal. That I have been saved. That's it. There's only one way. And it's by the unmerited favor of God. His grace in our life. So that you know that you know that you know. Lastly, let's look in verses 8 and 9. Well, actually, I kind of stopped off that just at 4. But you need to know that. So take a look at verses 4 and 5. And then let's look at verses 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. God saved you, how? By his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are, and I'm going to add in verse 10, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He saved us in his grace, through his grace, so that we can do the things that he planned for us. Which brings us to my second point, which is, he gives us great grace to equip us, to enable us, to give us the tools we need to do everything he's called for us to do. 
So he gives us the grace that's necessary to be saved, but he also gives us the tools, the gifts, the talents, the abilities that we need to accomplish what he's called us to do. They come from him. Let's look at Psalm chapter 90 and verse 17, and I'm going to go back to the Amplified Version. Psalm 90, verse 17. And it says, And let the beauty and and delightfulness and favor of the Lord. What is the favor of the Lord? His grace. Okay? Let the beauty and delightfulness and favor of the Lord our God be upon us. Confirm and establish the work of our hands. Yes, the work of our hands. Confirm and establish it. So what I'm going to encourage you to do this week is ask, this is being asked of the Lord. So then that means that we as individuals, as families, as a church, that we can say this very same thing to the Lord. We can ask this of him and expect that it's his desire for us. Okay, it says, and let the beauty and the delightfulness and the favor of the Lord our God, or you could say the Lord my God, what? Be upon me, confirm and establish the work of my hands. Lord, we can thank you that Redeeming Love Church, that you're what? Establishing the work of our hands. So anything that we as individuals, as families, or corporately as a church, as we set it in our hearts to do, we can ask for the Lord to confirm it and establish it. Why? Because of his graciousness. Because he's given favor to us. And so that he's enabling us. He's giving us everything we need to do what's in front of us. He will confirm it. He will establish it. And think about how many times that that's actually said in this one verse. Number one, uh, it says, And the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. Confirm and establish the work. Yes, the work of our hands, confirm and establish it. It's again more than once. It's kind of like saying verily, verily, truly, truly, where the Lord Jesus would actually put an emphasis on something. It's important that we recognize that God himself confirms and establishes the work of our hands. I don't care how gifted you are, how talented you are, and what you think of as a natural gift or a natural talent. It all comes from him. And he is interested in you're using your gifts, your talents that he's given you for his work, for his kingdom, for your life. Let's take a look at uh, Romans chapter uh, 11, verse 29. Romans chapter 11 and verse 29. This is important. Now, this scripture is used when talking about the fact that if someone is called, if someone is gifted, that God doesn't remove that. But you need to know, it says, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. In other words, he determines how he desires to gift you, how he desires to call you. And remember, our Lord does not change his mind. So our gifts, our talents, our callings, you're called to be a doctor, a nurse, a teacher, a minister. Those things do not change when he has called us to do those things. So even when we're going through a rough patch, you can rely, lean back on, trust in the fact that if God has called you and he's gifted you, he's given you talents, that he doesn't, is not going to just change his mind halfway through your life and you're going to just miss it. Amen? He will give you everything you need. Now, take it, just turn over to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to look at verses 4 through 10. We all do not have the same gifts and talents. 
We're not all given the natural gifts, talents. We don't all look alike. We don't all think alike. But the principles of God's word will equip each one of us to do what God has called us to do. And as believers, especially in local bodies like this at Redeeming Love Church, the Lord sets members in a church, and I don't mean about taking an oath of membership to join a church. I mean, he sets people in a local body with all kinds of gifts and talents. His grace is upon each person here so that what? The work gets accomplished. So it doesn't do me any good to want to be cult and the gifts and talents that Colt has. I can't duplicate that. The Lord has gifted him, graced him, talented him in ways he hasn't done that for me. So we need to make sure that we don't covet the gifts, the grace, the talent of someone else. So verse 4 says, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. We all belong to each other. In his grace, in his unmerited favor, in his kindness to us, you could say all of those things. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Now, what I'm going to say to this is part of that honoring each other is honoring the gifts in others. Acknowledging them that they are fitted and joined together by Jesus Christ himself. And that one's gift isn't higher or lower than another's. They're just different. And if we're to love one another as we're called to do, we're also called to respect the gifts of others. The Lord gifts us individually so that when we come together corporately, we're stronger. We're more effective. Amen? So it's important not only that you know what God has gifted you to do, but it's important to recognize, respect, and honor the gifts in those with whom we work. Whether that's in local bodies or as the body of Christ as a whole. No one can be you. No one can be me. We all need to work together for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go forth, for the kingdom to be expanded. Now, I'm going to give you again a whole bunch of scriptures here that you can go back and take a look at, but for the sake of time, we're only going to look at two more. I'd like you to look at Acts chapter 4, verse 33. Acts 4, 33. Well, I just wrote, let's see. It would help if I turned over. This is important. We'll start with verse 32. All the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. Now, to me, I know they're actually speaking about personal goods, lands, etc. They put everything together to do the work of the ministry. But for me, when I think about the, the corporate, the, the body of Christ as a whole, that to me also talks about everything we are. 
that we give so that we can accomplish the gift. We don't withhold our gifts from the body. We actually give them into the body. So I want you to consider that as a possibility. Verse 33 says this, The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. God's great favor was upon them all. God's great grace was upon them all. When they decided to take everything they had, their gifts, their talents, their abilities, and everything the Lord had given them, and put it to use corporately, it said God's blessing, His favor was upon them all. So that when we make a decision not to just be individuals, but as we do everything in a unified heart and mind, what should our unified heart and mind be as believers, as a local church, as the church as a whole, is to see the kingdom increase. Think the Great Commission. We're to make disciples, right? Not just tell people about Jesus first time, get saved, but actually make disciples, those who follow after Christ. We're enabled to do that when we work together. When we honor the gifts of each one of us, when we take those gifts and we put them to work. All right? And let's take a look. Uh, we're in Acts. Let's take a look at uh, chapter 6, verse 8. And this is interesting because this is about a particular man. All right? So we've talked about corporately, but this scripture references one man. And that man is Stephen. And it says, Stephen... A man full of God's grace, full of God's favor, full of God's blessing. It says, full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. When we are operating in God's grace, nothing is impossible. Miracles, signs and wonders, the kingdom increased. One man, Stephen who gave himself to the work of the ministry, God blessed him, God graced him. With grace and power, he then accomplished all of these things. Now we know that Stephen died a martyr's death. He died for his faith. But guess what? You and I have the same opportunity. We have the same opportunity to walk in God's grace, in God's power. And just like we see in the Great Commission, we're making disciples and we're praying for the sick and they recover. Healings take place. Miracles take place. We need to expect that God will use us when we make ourselves available. Miracles, signs and wonders, healing, all these wonderful things that we see. It's not just for someone who stands behind a pulpit. It's for all of us who are called by his name, who are graced, who are gifted, and we allow the Lord to work in and through us. Amen? Now, I would encourage you um, to really take a look at the gifts and if you if you just turn to first corinthians i'm going to show you where to find those this is something that you can chew on first corinthians chapter 12 really talks about spiritual gifts that were given and then once again just like we talked about that body of christ verses 12 and on through talks about that one body with many parts it's so important that we know where to find these truths. And then at the very end of chapter 12, in verses uh, 27 and 28, I believe, it specifically talks about those who are called to minister, to equip the saints. It says, all of you together are Christ's body, verse 27, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Verse 29, are we all apostles? No. Right? That's the understood answer. Are we all prophets? No. Are we all teachers? No. Do we all have the power to do miracles? 
No, it's a gift. Do we all have the gift of healing? No. Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? And this means to actually speak and interpret. That's what this is referencing, okay? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? No, of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. We, each of us, should earnestly desire all of these this, the best gifts. Lord, what would you have me operate in? What would you have me do? I'm willing. I'm available. I will use whatever gift you give me for your gospel, for your kingdom. See, we can, and the Apostle Paul talks about coveting the best gifts. That's the term that's used in the King James. We can, we should be asking the Lord to give us everything we need that we would operate in signs, miracles, we would be able to teach, we would be able to do all those things. Why? So that people would come to know him. But again, it's not me. It's not something I've learned. Now, can I take a gift, like for example, teaching, and as I apply myself to that, can I become better and better and better with the Lord's grace and his ability? Sure. But I know that there are gifts lying dormant throughout the body of Christ. So it's up to us then to ask the Lord, Lord, I desire to step into all that you have for me. And it's by God's grace. It's his gift. So that means you can't just go to some school and learn how to do these things. It's God's gracious gifts that enable us to operate in his word. So I'm going to take, have you take a look again if you, as you go home to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 and 1 Peter 4 verses 10 and 11. You need to know, and also, sorry, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. So there's three additional ones that I did not give you. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1, and 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. This word, God's word, is so rich. It is a treasure chest. It is a treasure cave for us to mine. We're never going to get all of the download in one take, one reading. That's why we need to ask the Lord that by his Holy Spirit, think about Ephesians chapter 1, that he would give us the ability, he would give us the spirit of wisdom and understanding, that our eyes would be enlightened. You can pray that for yourself, and I encourage you to do so. The, really the last major point I want to make, and then we're going to talk about God's grace and blessing, is that he gives us the grace for living. He doesn't just say, uh, all men come and are saved who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He just doesn't say, I'm going to give you everything that you need, all the gifts, the grace, the talents, to accomplish what you will do in this life. I want to encourage you to know that God will give you the grace, the ability to live well. To walk as a son and a daughter of the Most High God to carry ourselves well, not just in the kingdom, but outside the kingdom. And so he will help us do that. No matter what we're doing, who we're around, there will be something different about us because we have received the gift of God, the grace of God, the blessing of God, the unmerited favor of God. And in and of ourselves, can we live this way? perfect lives. I'm sorry. No. None of us are perfect. We mess up. We blow it. Sometimes just by our stubbornness wanting our own way. But it's by God's grace that he will enable us to live a godly life. Period. If you have a conversation with anyone, especially those who don't know the Lord, I mean, how many of you, well, how does that happen for you? How does that work for you? How did you get through that meeting where you basically were skewered to the wall and not just pitch a fit? How did you not become angry? How did you not spout off? How do you always do such and such and so and so? By God's grace. 
by his grace. So let's just take a look at a few scriptures. Uh, let's first look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I want you to know that no matter how well or maybe how much you've missed the mark in living this godly life to which we've been called, you need to know that today the answer to any and all gaps is God's grace. You can ask for God's grace to be poured upon you so that you can and you will. Remember, to can means that you're able. The Lord will enable us. He will make it so that we can live godly lives. Then it's our choice, right? So let's take a look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 14. 614. Well, actually, well, let's go back to verse 12 because this speaks to our choices, all right? It says, do not let sin control the way you live. Now, this is to Christians. These are to Jewish believers, to Christians. And so you need to know that, guess what? You can mess up. I mean, I see that word sin right there. So even though we've received the grace for salvation, even though he's graced us, enabled us with gifts and talents, we then have to choose how we live. So verse 12 says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. It's not that that might not come up. It's not that the enemy might not throw arrows your way. It's saying this, Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. Remember what I just said in my last point, that we have to give over our graces, our talents, our abilities over to the Lord in order for to us to accomplish all that he desires to do in our lives. Well, this, it also tells us, Instead, we need to give ourselves completely to God, for you were dead. We were dead in our sin, in our trespasses. But it says, now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Verse 14. Sin is no longer your master. You might just have to remind yourself of that every once in a while. I know that we all do. It says, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Remember, under the law, you broke one, you broke them all. Right? We no longer live under the requirements of law. Why? Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Because of God's grace, we live in freedom. So therefore, we must choose to walk that out. All right? Now, let's take a look at Galatians chapter 1. You can also look, if you want to mark down, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 7. But for the moment, let's take a look at Galatians chapter 1. Again, we need to know this not only for ourselves, but for all those who come across our path. Galatians 1, verses 15 and 16. Now remember, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's speaking to the church at Galatia, a body of believers, not unbelievers, but believers. So therefore, he could, we could say he's talking to us, all right? And we're looking in 15 and 16. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me, how? By his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal the Son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. We have been called, we have been graced, what? To take the gospel of Jesus Christ. That means he gives us everything we need to live this godly life. We need to know that we know that we know that. All right, two more scriptures. I'm going to have you write down Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, and 1 Peter 1.13 as additional places that you can look. But let's look at Acts chapter 20. 
just one verse. Acts chapter 20. And we're going to look in verse 24. It says, But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So I want you to know that it is possible. He will give you the grace to lead a godly life. It comes from him. He enables us. He gives us the ability. We can do this with his help. And then I would have you write down 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. But we're going to finish up the second, this section by looking at Romans again. I'm telling you, Romans is a great book. Great book. Romans chapter 6, and we're going to look in verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2. This whole entire portion, uh, really all of chapter 6, is really talking about the fact that sin's power is broken. Because of sin's power being broken, because we have received grace through salvation, because he enables us, he gives us gifts, he gives us talents, he will also enable us to live this life. Why? Because the power of sin has been broken in our lives. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So this is why I picked this verse. And that is, there are those in the world today who would preach you a gospel of what I would call greasy grace. That grace is given to you so that no matter what happens in your life, no matter what decisions you make, that God's always going to be there and you're, you're just fine. We're all going to make it to heaven. We're all going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. But you need to know that we're not given grace so that we can continue messing up and doing the same thing over and over again and just going, oh, well, but God's grace. No, we're given God's grace so that we can live differently, so that we have the power to live differently. We have the power to operate in our lives differently, speak different things, say different things do things that in and of our natural selves we would never do. But God's grace, God's power, God's ability says, his word tells us that we don't have to choose just to kind of go wishy-washy through life. That we can live a powerful, a powerful life. One that is hallmarked with God's grace. That sets us apart from those who don't know him. If, he, if we see in his word that this is what he's called us to do and we were unable to do it, that he didn't give us the ability to do it, how unfair he would be, how unjust he would be. But not only has he saved us to spend eternal life with him, have eternal life with him, he's also saved us and graced us so that we can live it here and now. So if you're going down the road or through life, and you're like, uh, I just really messed up. Lord, what, what should your response be? Lord, forgive me. And then you need to say, Lord, help me not to go that way again. Give me your grace and your ability by your Holy Spirit to speak to me about the things I need to change and then enable me to do that. So that the people who surround us will see a difference in us. Not that they'll see that we're perfect, because guess what? None of us are perfect. But that they'll see that we do respond to the Word of God and we do make the changes that are necessary. And they see us, no matter how long we've said that we've known Jesus, that people will see us growing, maturing, changing. That we're men and women of humility that by God's grace, we can live a godly life. We have to choose to do that, 
but it is possible. So lastly, now that we know that grace is given to us for salvation, we know that grace is given to us abilities, talents, gifts to do what he's called us to do. And now that we know that we have grace, God's favor, his blessing, his abilities so that we can live a godly life, a Christian life today, not just wait until we get to heaven. We can live differently now. I want you to know that God's heart is to bless you all the time. That he doesn't want you to walk through life wondering if he blesses you or curses you. Because there would be some who tell you that God still curses, right? That he can curse you. He can curse what you put your hand to. He can do this. And what what it is is that they take the Old Testament and they try to add it onto the New Testament, the better covenant. And they don't understand the scriptures to pull them apart to understand what truly was being said. I want you to know that the God that God, the God we serve, loves us. His desire is to bless us, be gracious toward us, show us kindness, mercy. So let's take a look. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 and 26. All the way back. This isn't something that's new. God has not changed. He has always desired to bless his people. He is not going to stop now. There is nothing that's going to change his mind. This is who he is. If we look at verses 24... 25 and 26. This is going to sound familiar. May the Lord bless you and protect you. Some versions say keep you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. This is known as the priestly blessing. You need to know that this is God's desire for you. And not only does God desire to do this for you, but we also should be ones who bless those around us. That we would say to all those we know, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Once we know that that's the very character of God, then we can then share that with someone else. Let's take a look. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. We're almost finished. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to look in verse 14. And if you ever want to see this in practice and just get it down in your heart, you can go through all the epistles. And every single time that the writer closes, he ensures that he blesses the people. Verse 14 says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the unmerited favor, may the kindness of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Philippians Chapter 4, verse 23. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Romans, chapter 1, verse 7. And this is where we're going to close. The end of verse 7 says, May God our Father... And the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So I'm saying to you, as the person ministering today, for each one of us, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And I would just say amen and amen. So be it and so be it and so be it. That we lack for no good thing as individuals, as families, as this congregation. That we will be reminded 
to lean into the very grace of God. That just being saved by grace is not all that He has for you. That He desires for you to be well-equipped, gifted, talented, to do all that He's called you to do. That you will live by grace as much as you were saved by grace. And that you know that you know that you know that the Lord you serve blesses you. He does not curse you. He gives you grace and peace. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that anything that has been said today, that you bless it. That, that every person who has heard this, heard me say these truths from your word, will again either be reminded of or for the first time understand that you just don't desire to save us by your grace, by your unmerited favor, that you enable us, you give us gifts and talents, you desire that we lead a godly life, and we also can do that and accomplish that through your grace, not our ability, not our knowledge, not anything we say or do, but solely because you chose to grace us. And Father God, I thank you that as I read through your word, I'm reminded time and time and time again that you spoke consistently a blessing upon your people through your prophets, through kings of old, and through simply men and women in their families, even as they bless the next generation. So, Father God, may we all have our eyes opened, not just today, but throughout this week and as we move forward, to see and understand your grace better and better. That we would not use your grace as an opportunity to sin or to just kind of slide through life, but that we lean into your grace so that we can accomplish all that you desire for us to do. In Jesus' name. Well, good morning again, everybody. Um, we are at Redeeming Love Church. My name is Stephanie Pack, and I'm here. Uh, Hit the share button. Okay.
Lord, I ask that if anyone has a need in their life, I thank you, Lord, as they pray, as they seek your face, that they not only find you, but that they will know that you hear them and answer them. So, Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for your graciousness. I thank you for your mercy, your favor, your kindness to those who believe. And, Father God, I thank you that we would be encouraged to live your life well, to live this life that you've given to us, that we would choose to lean into your grace. Father, I thank you that we lack for nothing as individuals, as families, as this church, Father. I thank you that your kingdom is being stretched farther and farther, that we are coming to know you more and more. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I would just encourage you all, if you ever want to talk about grace or the subject of grace, I know that lots of folks here would step in and do that. And if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask me. But don't let anything get between what the Lord has called you to. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Say, you can't do it. It's not possible. Living a Christian life is too hard. With God's grace, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Not through yourself, but through Christ. Amen? Amen. I'll say after we're going to get ready to take the offering, but I'll say after if anybody needs to chat or wants to chat. And uh, hopefully I'll see you guys soon. But, uh, Davis, would you honor us with being our usher today? Thank you that we know that as we give our tithes and our offerings, not only the work of this local church, but God's blessing is upon each one of us. Lord, just ask you to bless this offering that is brought before you now, these seeds that have sown will no weapon will form against them can prosper now in Jesus name and we just thank you that it will be used properly to spread your gospel now in Jesus name Amen Amen